Hello, my friends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. On today's show, Adam and I are taking ourselves a trip back to the 1880s, 1880s Tombstone, Arizona, to be exact, as him and I sit down to chat about the 1993 Western classic Tombstone, which just turned 30 years old back on Christmas Day. So, after the trailer, the Couch Potato Podcast presents to you Tombstone. From Hollywood Pictures, I want your blood. The Clanton gang figured they owned the town. But they never figured on Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. Maybe you better swear me in. Together, they brought justice to the West. You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me! Tombstone, rated R. All right, I am joined by my co-host, Adam, and I have a question for you, Adam. Yeah. We, this will be, I believe, our 135th episode that we put out. Very impressive. Yeah, not too bad. I I read a statistic that normally podcasts don't uh, last that long, and I know it's not because we have a huge, huge, huge fan base, so we just do it for the love of the game. But I am trying to figure out why it took us 135 tries at this to do Tombstone. Um, it, the answer escapes me. I've been trying to come up with a reason why, but maybe because it's turning 30. You know, that's a good as reason as any. I, when I was trying to come up with ideas for episodes to do after coming out of a uh, the very successful unconventional Christmas movie month back in December, which you could check out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, the cheap plug in the episode. Um, but I had just seen that this movie had turned 30 on Christmas day. So I'm like, fuck, why, why should we not do tombstone? Right. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing tombstone today. The, 1993 uh, Western classic. I know some people may not feel quite as strongly as I do, but this is a Western classic. Um, I agree. I'll save my take on on this for the uh, hot take of the episode, but for those of you that do not know what Tombstone is about, I am going to tell you what the fuck Tombstone is about. Retired lawman Wyatt Earps plans to retire anonymously in Tombstone, Arizona are disrupted by the Cowboys, a gang of outlaws he was famous for eliminating. Sign me up. Yep. Um, I mean, that's as classic Western as you'll get. Yep. Um, Real story. I I was going to save these for the uh, did you know portion of it, but I think the uh, the behind-the-scenes making of this, how this movie got made is just as uh, fascinating as the movie itself. So I'm just going to go into that. Um, are you familiar with the, uh, the turmoil that went on uh, during tombstone, how it was uh, kind of uh, a chore to get made? I am not familiar with it. Actually. I um, read a, a few things that uh, were uh, tumultuous, but nothing, uh, nothing large. All right. Well, 
this movie was supposed to be uh, Kevin Jari. He's a screenwriter. He's more famous for like doctoring scripts, touching like scripts that are good. He kind of polishes them to make them great. Uh, he wrote Glory. I think he did uh, the Brendan Fraser Mummy. Or some of the ones okay. he's kind of notorious for uh, writing, but this was supposed to be his directorial debut. And uh, okay. during pre-production, Kevin Costner was supposed to uh, be involved. He was circling this. He wanted to do a wider movie. And in 91, Kevin Costner's probably one of the two or three biggest stars in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had just come off of winning an Oscar for Dances with Wolves. Uh, I believe he had just got done doing JFK which nominated for a bunch of Oscars and a movie that we need to do sometime on this show. That movie's fucking wild and we'll save mm-hmm. it for the episode. But yeah, JFK has got to happen at some point. Oh yeah. But he was supposed to be in this and I guess apparently he disagreed with the, uh, the way the script was written. Uh, Cause for those of you who have seen tombstone, tombstone is more of a, an ensemble piece where they kind of focus a little bit on, a few characters that uh, Costner was really more concerned with them concentrating on Wyatt Earp himself. So mm-hmm. he left the project and then turns out he did a uh, Wyatt Earp movie himself came out. I believe it was six months after tombstone. I think it was uh June of 94. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not a big fan of that one. It's just kind of, it's too dry for my taste. Um, so of course they get Kurt Russell. Um, he gets involved, and it becomes apparent early in the production during filming that uh, Kevin Jari has no clue how to fucking make a movie. I guess he <laughs> focused more on like he didn't really want to do like close-ups of the actors. He kind of wanted to make this very artistic style western. So they shit canned him. And the only shots I believe they use, I I think they use some of the shots of the Earps getting off the train. He did all the stuff mm-hmm. with Charlton Heston uh, later in the movie, but that was about all he got done before they let him go. So the studio goes to Kurt Russell. They want him to di- finish the movie, directing the movie. And mm-hmm. he kind of agrees to it, but he doesn't want to put his name on it. I think he kind of did it not create jealousy amongst the cast. Like, Oh, well you're just, you're going to be in complete control of this now. So they uh, hired on the recommendation of Sylvester Stallone, George Cosmatos. He did Cobra. He did uh, Rambo. I think he did Rambo first blood part two, which mm-hmm. if Sylvester Stallone's to be believed, uh, he kind of tends to tell tales from time to time. He kind of <laughs> used him as a ghost director on those movies as well, which if you've seen Cobra, Cobra is kind of all over the place. So I can kind of, I could kind of buy it. So basically Cosmatos becomes like the ghost director, mm-hmm. not really in charge, but he's kind of pretending to be Kurt Russell spends a lot of his uh, time and effort trying to create, I guess he does like a shot list for him to do the next day. He cuts his scenes down to not, make it look like he's, you know, going to be featured and everyone else got to take a back seat. So, uh, yeah, uh, they did this ghost director thing. And I guess Kurt Russell says later on, he tells Cosmatos, he goes, I'm not going to tell anybody this happens till after you're dead. And then two years ago in a magazine, 
uh, True, I think it's True West magazine. He kind of comes clean and says, yeah, I directed this. I gave him a shot list that uh, the morning he had to follow that. He had hand cues if they want to do like another take of it. Um, but yeah, he revealed that later on. And I guess uh, Val Kilmer in an, uh, an article confirmed that this was the case. So yeah, crazy stuff, man. Okay. Like, yeah, they fired a director. They get a ghost director to come in and do it. And basically, Kurt Russell's directing this movie. It turned out great, though. So they, uh, I think they made some good decisions. Yeah, apparently the uh, the initial version of this was, uh, Kurt Russell described it as he wanted this to be the godfather of Westerns. I mean, I can see that. And I... As cool as a concept as I think that is, I don't think we're doing this movie as an episode if it's like that. Right. Because uh, revisiting this movie, um, it's very quotable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, the first. When did you see this for the first time? Um, I probably saw it for the first time on uh, TV. Um it was probably on TNT or something like that. And I, uh, I just caught, I think it was the middle of it. Um, uh, before the, uh, okay. Corral scene. Um, but after the fact, I, uh, I went back and I, uh, I got the DVD at some point and I watched the entire thing, um, through and through. And it's probably one of my favorite, um, without Westerns. I'm not a huge fan of Westerns. Uh, I don't know if uh, I've ever talked about Westerns on the podcast, but uh, fun fact, this I is the first like... Western we've done. Yeah. If you don't count Star Wars as a Western, yeah, but Star Wars we is did a space a whole... Western, but it's like a whole uh, Star Wars conglomeration too. It's not just the first one, but um, uh, I don't like Westerns. Like I, I can name on my hand how many Westerns I like. And this is, top of the list um i also like maverick uh if you want to count the mask of zorro i i love the mask of zorro as a western but this is this is definitely top and um i mean me just for me catching it on tv and then having to go buy it afterwards that's saying something i i seen this for the first time uh pay-per-view is a kind of a, a new concept here in the uh the old uh Springfield area. So we didn't really have access to it till well after it had become popular. And of course I was blown away. Like, Oh fuck, I can have a movie sent right to my house. This is awesome. I don't have to go to the video store. So I got this and I taped it. I always used to tape the movies I got like, well, fuck if I'm paying like $4 or whatever it was, I'm, I'm going to own this. Yeah. Right. And this movie became like, kind of like, I know like the two thousands, like, the Judd Apatow comedies kind of became like famous and notorious for like how quotable they were. And like people were reciting Mm -hmm. lines left and right to me. Mm -hmm. This is the first movie amongst my friends that we were quoting nonstop. I think we spent a whole summer that following year, just quoting the shit out of this movie. It's got some pretty quotable scenes in it for sure. Totally quotable. Uh, I know for a fact, uh, a bunch of us used to convene at a uh, swimming pool in the area and one of our buddies used to say before uh, they had like a diving board and he would always quote the Johnny Ringo, like, I want your blood and I want your soul. 
And as he's jumping up, he goes, I want to both right now. And he's diving into the pool. And like, this makes no fucking sense. But the fact he quoted Johnny Ringo from Tombstone was super cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why this movie is still, like, I think kind of become a cult classic is due to the fact it's so quotable. And I've seen so many memes generated mm-hmm. from this movie. I think the most popular one is the when people like to announce they're leaving, like, you see it all the time on like Facebook or Twitter, like, okay, I'm out of here. Just announcing their departure and uh the curly bill uh where he says, Well, bye. Very sarcastically yeah. and snarky. Like that's become like an internet meme too, and fuck it's almost, <laughs> you know, thirty years later. So and I think it's part of its legacy, just the fact that usually people are quoting comedies. And those are the movies that always seem to get the lines that are recycled in like pop culture, but like a Western is like completely out of the norm. And you said yourself too. And I think this has to do with uh, generations. I think the uh, older people seem to gravitate more towards the Westerns than like younger people. Like, see, I'm kind of like right in the middle. You're a little bit younger than I am. So Westerns were still kind of, relevant in cinema versus like when you became a big movie fan, which I'm guessing is probably mm-hmm. like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. The Western was kind of dying out. Yeah, it was a, it was probably 95 to 98 was when I started like going to the movies and watching yeah. a whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be like that era that you grow up in is kind of like the movies you kind of gravitate towards the most and see Western mm-hmm. were still like a thing back in the eighties. Not, as big as they were in like the, you know, the twenties to the fifties and sixties. But I mean, they were still there. Like Eastwood was making them. You'd see like the occasional one come out. And plus I used to watch them all the time with my grandfather. So that's kind of how I became a fan of them. But yeah, the fact that a Western is so quotable just still blows my mind to this day. Yeah. The fact that a Western is uh, so successful as uh, tombstone in the nineties was pretty cool too. I think. Yeah. Although I think it kind of got forgotten because it came out in uh, Christmas of 93. And like, I know I even uh, researching this, Roger Ebert even mentions that uh, he kind of felt responsible for not being a bigger champion of this movie. Mm, yeah. But yeah, man, it's uh, crazy. You said that you're not a fan of the Western mm. genre. Is it like, I'm just curious, why is that? Um, I don't know. I've never been, uh, and I don't think there's any correlation. Maybe there, there is a correlation. I don't know. Um, I never liked country music either. Um, I know the the two go hand in hand uh, sometimes. I don't think maybe there's a correlation there, but, um, and my grandfather watched uh, Westerns all the time. And I, I mean, when I grown up as a kid, like, we did the we did the cowboy thing as a kid. Like I I liked uh, you know playing around with uh, toy guns and cowboy hats and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I guess it just didn't appeal to me uh, movie wise. Um, I never really liked uh, um, that era of American history either. Um, it's just. It never, it never grew on me. I don't know what it is. I've never actually explored why I don't. 
Well, we'll just devote a whole episode to it. We'll just give you like an essential list of Western movies. I am curious since uh, it's, I think Tombstone and Unforgiven are pretty much like the last iconic Westerns to come out of Hollywood. I mean, like I know they did the Lonesome Dove series, mm-hmm. which was super popular around this time. And then I guess you can, you can say that Yellowstone is a modern oh, Western. Yeah. And it's it is. super popular right now, but it's I don't even though it's a modern western, I don't kind of classify it in the same terms as like the older movies. But like, what's your thoughts on Unforgiven? Um, it's it's on my my list of uh, movies I can name on one hand that I like. Okay, <laughs> okay, good. I was gonna say, man, if if you don't like Unforgiven, we might have to stop this episode now. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's uh, far and few in between. Like, I, you, you throw in John Wayne or um, certain Clint Eastwood movies, and I'm just uh, I'm just like, all right, yeah, it's background noise, whatever, you know. But uh, Tombstone's different. Like, I'll, I'll sit and, and watch the entire thing. I'll, I'll get engrossed in it. Yeah, I don't I, know what I, it is. I was never a John Wayne guy. Like I, there was a few of his that I liked. Like I liked El Dorado and The Searchers is really good, but I was more of an Eastwood guy. Mm-hmm. Because like I grew up like I Pale Rider kind of came out when I was a kid. You know, I yeah. remember the Outlaw Josie Wales and of course The Good, The Bad and the Ugly is one of my favorite westerns of all time too. So plus they always play The Ecstasy of Gold before Metallica show, so like bonus points just for that. Yeah. But, I don't know, I like them. They they kind of it just it it's the tale. A lot of times it's the tale of like you know they've taken like the stories like they recreate them many times in many different scenarios. But just good versus you know good guy and a bad guy. It's very straightforward, yeah. and I think that's yeah. kind of why I like Unforgiven because it kind of takes that simple good and evil, you know, the line mm-hmm. and they kind of blur them together. You know, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, most uh most westerns um are like um defined good and evil too. You get the you get the lawman, the good guy, or you know, the uh the straight arrow cowboy and then you get the uh the outlaw. Well that's um, how they you know. that's how a lot of times you can differentiate who is who, the the good guy, the sheriff, you know, the the stranger it kinda comes in from, you know, the with the mysterious past, he's always wearing white. And then the bad yeah. guy's trying to like steal the town or he's trying to rob a bank or he's trying to kill. Like he always wore black. Yeah. And I mean that not, not to, not to make it nerdy or anything, but um, just go ahead in, in, nerd, my, nerd away. in my, in my profession, um, uh, hackers are either called white hat or black hat hackers for that reason. So. Yeah. See, know. The cowboy uh, tradition still lives on today. Right. And I mean, I kind of wish they would make more Westerns from time to time because I really do enjoy them. But I think essentially now, excuse me, uh, I had Raising Cane's earlier and apparently it's not agreeing with me. But (laughs) um, I think that that's kind of what superhero movies have become to an extent. It's like they're kind of you know, they've kind of taken over the Western genre. Like, okay, you got your good guys, you got your bad guys, except instead of wearing white and black hats, they're wearing suits of armor or they've got superpowers or something like that. Yeah. And I think that, uh, 
uh, it, it definitely follows the superhero genre a little bit because, um, uh, I guess the popularity, uh, um, is kind of waning for the superhero genre now, just like, uh, back then the, the Western genre is waning in popularity. Well, don't tell that to some of our friends they are going to disagree with us and send us a bunch of hate mail. It's not dying. It's just as good as ever. The Marvel's fucking rocked. Well, he wouldn't say fucking rocked. He would not use his profanity at all, but but it, I mean, it did not rock. But I, <laughs> that, that's besides the point, though. We're not doing a we're doing not doing a podcast on the Marvels, right? No, <laughs> absolutely, that will never happen. Um, but no, I I I love Tombstone for this this matter. You've got your good guys, you got your bad guys. It's very cut and dry, with the exception of uh, yeah. Doc Holliday. He's kind of he's an unsavory character who has a like, you know, but he's a good guy for the most part. He always right. helps helps the good guys, but he's, I mean. This hits all the right notes for me. Uh, just enough story to get by. Like, I'll be honest with you. I've always said on this show that there's, I always say that uh, films are works of art. You appreciate everything that goes into it, whether it's, you know, the production design, costume design, the dialogue, the direction, the cinematography, everything. Like, I always consider, like, when you're looking at it from that point of view, it's a film. You're looking at it right. from an artistic standpoint, but then there's movies where you don't really think about what's going on. You're not trying to really appreciate that. You just kind of get engrossed in like somebody will say something that catches your ear. You'll see something that catches yeah. your eye and like, okay, I want to see what happens next. Yeah. And you don't really like, sometimes you just kind of don't really pay attention to like thousands of plot holes or like this story makes no sense or it's just not very good. But man, like this guy who's, got tuberculosis it's coughing up blood but man i'm just so drawn to him because he's he smokes his cigarette so cool he just delivers these lines that like you don't expect to hear out of a western and then yeah. it's just like a bunch of like cut like it's just ruthless fucking killing throughout this too like i still don't understand uh -huh. why once uh you know Wyatt Earp comes back to tombstone why he's like he's really no better than the cowboys he's just fucking killing them all yeah, he's not really a lawman Except per se. He 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 hides behind his badge at that point. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a U.S. marshal, so I yeah, can so kill whoever it's, I want." It's legal for me to do this. <laughs> We're still getting ideas, gang. We're not advocating for that to come back into society. Um, but yeah, man, Tombstone. This hits all the right notes for me. Just a straight up. Uh, it kind of blends uh, a lot of the the late '90s, early 2000 comedies, and just in terms of like the quotable lines. Mm -hmm. I think, in terms of for me, uh, favorite line from this movie. This is probably the hardest one I've ever had to come up with because there's so much. I have I have a few, but I I narrowed it down. Yeah, and on top of that, like incredible cast of uh, performers in this. Like it's pretty much a who's who. From Hollywood back then. Oh yeah, for I mean, sure. there's so I many would, recognizable uh, faces in this. I mean, the first time I saw this is uh, like on TV. I was just enamored with how many people they got. Yeah, we'll get into some of the the cast here, and uh, actually, we'll just do it right now with the tail of the tape. What do you say? Okay. Um, sure. Tail of the tape. This was released on December the 25th, 1993. This stars Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Powers Booth, 
Michael Bean, Dana Delaney, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Stephen Lang, and I can go on and on and on. Tons of people that were not really famous at the time go on to uh, bigger and better careers. Uh, I noticed that Thomas Hayden Church is in this. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, he is. Real, real young Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, John mm-hmm. Corbett, uh, people might recognize him from Sex and the City. He was on a show called Northern Exposure back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Awesome, quirky Alaskan comedy. And I think he's in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, too. Yeah. Uh, Jason Priestley, who I think at the time, I think Beverly Hills 90210 was on when this mm-hmm. movie came out, too. So he's kind of like a big uh, teen heartthrob. Uh, see, I'm trying to think who else is in this. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton. How can I forget Billy Bob Thornton? He has mm-hmm. a small role in this, too. Um, it's got uh, Robert Mitchum. The iconic Robert Mitchum is the narrator in this. Charlton Heston. Mm-hmm. is in this Michael Rooker. Yeah. Um, Billy Zane. Yeah. Billy Zane yeah. is in this too. Uh, I believe the actress's the, name is Paula Malcolmson. She was in, uh, Deadwood with powers booth. Mm-hmm. She's in this too. I mean, you may not recognize the name, but I'm sure you see the face. She plays, um, yeah. Sam Elliott's wife. And it's just a ton of people. Fucking cast is extremely limited. Oh, yeah. And we'll get uh, into the uh, the mayor um, is Terry O'Quinn, who people might uh, recognize as John Locke from Lost. Oh yeah, fuck! I forgot all about Terry O'Quinn is in this. John Tenney's yeah. in this too. Like I don't really mm-hmm. remember him in uh, too much of anything. I think he was uh, married to Terry Hatcher at one point, though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, just tons and tons of. Uh, Tons of people. It's like I. It's almost like Kurt Russell just called in a bunch of favors from his friends. Yeah. It's like, hey man, you it's might come the, in and doing a, a bit for Tombstone. It's the Ocean's Eleven of westerns. Oh, dude, totally, totally the Ocean's Eleven. Like, let's just get a yeah. bunch of people, pay them like scale, have them come in, shoot for a couple of days, and then send them on their way. I think we need one more. I think we need, we one, need more. one more. We need one more. I need one more. <laughs> um, this was directed by George P. Cosmatos, which we have established in name only. This was really directed by Kurt Russell. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 73% from critics and a 94% audience score. The consensus was if you're seeking a stylish modern Western with a solid story and a well-chosen ensemble cast, Tombstone is your Huckleberry. And I like what you did there, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> the box office for this uh, budget of $25 million made $73.2 million. A modest hit, not like a blockbuster by any stretch. But like I said, I think this movie has kind of gained cult status over the years. This would be what yeah. I would consider to be a cult classic. It's kind of become more popular through home video and streaming and numerous airings on TNT and TBS over the years. Um, mm-hmm. This uh, did not win any awards, and you can currently stream this on Hulu and Paramount Plus. So you have your choice of two streamers to check this out on. Okay. Um, did you know uh, a lot of my stuff I spoke about uh, early in the 
movie, a lot of it's regarding uh, the tumultuous production where Kevin Costner was originally supposed to play wider. Didn't like the mm-hmm. direction the script was going, so he left. I did, though, I guess apparently he was using his clout to block most major studios from producing this. Uh, Buena Vista, which is the, I think, the adult arm of Disney, or as you yeah. and I know from uh, a certain vendor that used to come into Best Buy, Buena Vista. <laughs> That's an inside joke with me and Adam. One of these days we'll share it, but I don't want it. I, I don't want to, sh- uh, in case he's listening, I don't want to, you know, I don't want him getting like pissed off and sending me hate mail, but people that know Adam and I know who we're talking about. Um, but apparently Buena Vista was the only production company that would green like this. Hmm. Okay. Cause Costner was just like, you know, giving out, you know, just using like all of this call, like, Hey, Paramount don't make this. Warner don't make mm-hmm. this. Um, Buena Vista agreed, though, under the condition uh, they had some some conditions they wanted. Uh, one was originally Willem Dafoe was the choice to play Doc Holliday. Hmm. But they Buena Vista said, if you cast Willem Dafoe, we're not producing this movie. Which um, I don't know if you have you ever seen The Last Temptation of Christ? It's a Scorsese movie with. Yeah. That movie's still kind of fresh in people's minds. So hmm. Disney didn't want any part of that controversy. Because when that movie came out, that was a very controversial movie. I don't remember hmm. exactly. I would imagine it's just the portrayal of Jesus in that. But uh, yeah, very controversial film when it came out. And they wanted no part of Willem Dafoe. So uh, yeah. we got Val Kilmer instead. He was the second choice. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm a Willem Dafoe fan. Really enjoy his work, but there's no way, no way he tops Kilmer's uh, Doc Holiday in this. Now, I'm not a huge fan of, of Val Kilmer uh, in a lot of movies, but um, probably because I did grow up in that you know mid '90s time, and I I saw uh, Batman Forever, and he's extremely dry in that. Yeah. Uh, but he is the best part of Tombstone. Like he is my favorite character. Uh, bar none. He's what makes this movie great. I, I I love Kurt Russell. He's one of my favorite actors of all time, but um, Val Kilmer steals the show. Well, I think what they did with this movie is what uh, a lot of casting directors should have done is for some reason they tried to make Val Kilmer like the next big star. And I get it. I mean, he's an extremely handsome man, good actor, but he's not really what I would say is a leading man. Yeah. Uh, if you think about like his best performances or the movies he's most remembered for, like he's, you know, he played Iceman in Top Gun. He played mm. Val, or Doc Holliday in Tombstone. He plays um, Chris in Heat. He's yeah. the guy, it's not the, the, the actor that carries the movie. He's the guy that like you kind of bring in to like kind of be like the third lead of the movie. He's not a, like mm-hmm. the featured performer. It's not who you build the movie around, but. Man, you need somebody like to give you like twenty memorable me- moments in a movie or twenty memorable minutes. Val Kilmer's your guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's what makes this movie work so well. Is like Kurt Russell got to do what Kurt Russell does. He's the leading man. He's the one that gets all like the good, you know, like does the heavy lifting. And then you've got Val Kilmer come in, just 
be the heat check guy, basically. Okay, I'm going to make my <laughs> my time on screen count, so you're going to remember me. And that's yeah. what Val Kilmer does best. Mm-hmm. It also uh, helps that they make him the sweatiest person alive because of his tuberculosis. <laughs> um, that's uh, I don't know if you had that in your facts, but uh, I did find an interesting read about that. I was yeah, no, it's not in my facts, so that that'll be good. Um. At one point, Liam Neeson, or as a former coworker once said, Liam Nillison, uh, had been considered for Wyatt Earp and David Bowie. Yes, oh God. same David Bowie, rock star David Bowie, was considered for Doc Holliday, and Tommy Lee Jones was discussed for the role of Curly Bill. I could see that working, Tommy Lee Jones. Could, yeah. I I don't like all those other castings, so no. we can leave those behind. But I is I do like Tommy Lee Jones. He's one of my favorite character actors. But I really dig Powers Booth because Powers Booth is just doing Powers Booth. Anytime you see him in a movie, mm-hmm. he dials it up to twelve. Like we oh, yeah. we need you at a seven, but you're at like a thirteen. Can you d- t- dial that down a little bit? And then he's just going to tell you like no. My knob only goes to 13. It does not go down. <laughs> and I think that's why I I am a huge fan of the incomparable the incomparable Powers Booth, God rest his soul. Um let's see. Um another f- fun casting fact that uh Mickey Rourke turned down the role of Johnny Ringo. Okay. Which okay. I really I I don't get because in 93 Mickey Rourke wasn't exactly setting the world on fire either. No. I mean, yeah, no. We're not doing Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man on this show. We're doing Tombstone. Right. Which I I can't rem- remember outside of uh, uh I think that's like Outside of the stuff he did in the eighties, I think that's the only thing I remember him in up until like he had that little mini comeback run with like Sin City and uh the wrestler and Iron Man Two and then he kinda fell back to being Mickey Rourke, the actor that nobody remembers. <laughs> He's not listening, so I don't care. No. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Like um a lot of stuff I have is kind of mixed in with uh, stuff we touched on at the beginning, so uh, bear with me, gang. Um, George Cosmatos uh, claimed that mm-hmm. Stephen Lang, who plays Ike Clanton in this movie, was drunk during most of the filming, which after yeah. I read that and I watched the movie, I could totally see it. Oh, yeah. Because there's some stuff yeah, that's like, no, it- no sober man's <laughs> delivering that. Then let's see what else I got here. Let me find. Oh, uh, Robert Mitchum. I thought this was a really cool uh, bit of casting news. Robert Mitchum was supposed to play old man Clinton, which they eventually just cut that role out altogether. Cause I don't remember him being in the movie. I just remember him being mentioned, uh, was supposed to play old man Clinton, but had to drop out due to a horseback riding injury. So he ends up being the narrator and you hear his narration at the beginning of the movie in, at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, which the narration at the end cracks me up. I watched it last night. I was fucking laughing for five minutes. Like he basically, 
at the end of it, he goes from talking about um, Wyatt and Josephine have this uh, storybook ending and then like mm-hmm. just deadpan, no like emotion, like, oh, I'm glad to see that these two kind of fell in love and you know, they spent the rest of their lives together. And he just immediately mm-hmm. in the same tone, uh, his wife, Natty, died of, like he said, Natty died of a drug overdose in 19... 19- <laughs> Same tone. Oh my goodness! I was like, man, Robert Mitchum does not give a fuck, and that's why he's the goat. He's one of the goats. Uh, the real Wyatt Earp was a uh, consultant on Hollywood westerns after moving to the city in 1915. Okay. And the cool. the last bit that I have is um, the sanatorium scene, which is near the end of the movie, where uh, after. Mm-hmm. Doc and Wyatt and uh, two of the coolest nicknames in the history of movies, uh, mm-hmm. Turkey Creek Johnson and Texas Jack Vermillion. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to start calling my son Texas Jack starting tomorrow. Um, but after they vanquished the uh, the Cowboys and Doc has, basically he goes to the sanatorium to die. Um he looks very sweaty and uncomfortable as he's meeting his demise. Well, I guess he had went to the uh, to production team, the art, the art department, and he requested that they line his bed with ice to hmm. make him look uncomfortable during that final sequence with uh, Kurt Russell. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. But that's all I've got because, like, most of my stuff was in the beginning of the movie. Adam, do you have any cool facts to share with the boys and girls? Uh, I do. Um, a couple of them. Um, you you uh, touched on a few of mine, but um, I got a I got a few, I guess, historical facts. Um, like the line "You're a daisy if you do" was actually taken from real news reports. Uh, that uh, that was what he had actually said. Uh, right before the OK Corral shootout, um, and uh, the I guess uh, real Wyatt Earp's um, cousin, uh, fifth cousin, uh, was in the movie. Um, played Billy Claiborne. Um, his name is Glenn Wyatt Earp. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, actually improvised most of his lines in the scene with Kurt Russell, which I think is pretty cool going back and watching that over again. Uh, you can kind of, you can kind of tell, uh, it, it plays a little bit better than just being written. Um, but. Oh, yeah, we're, you, going, you we're touching on Billy Bob. He's coming up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you, uh, you definitely, uh, touched on a lot of mine, but those are the, uh, the facts that I had. Oh, um. One more. Totally forgot about this one because uh, we were talking about it before the uh, recording. But um, all of the actors' facial hair is real. Um, they had the actors grow it uh, specifically for their characters. So those uh, those fine mustaches and um, goatees are are all real. Well, I'll no, add uh, a no I'll add a piece at the end of that. Uh, John Tenney's mustache isn't real. He's the only one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? No one likes uh, Sheriff Bayhan anyway, so fuck him. I don't care if he could grow a mustache or not. Um, 
Our uh, Mark Scorsese Award, uh, This is Cinema, for the best scene of the movie. Uh, This was pretty tough for me. I kind of had a couple. But uh, I chose the Doc Holliday, Johnny Ringo showdown near the end of the movie. That one's pretty good. Just because of the interaction that they had when they first meet, kind of a couple of gunslingers just kind of, it's basically a dick measuring contest. And they start mm-hmm. spouting off Latin, which I seen the Latin translation mm-hmm. in uh, research, and it, none of it makes any sense. Like what they're saying. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, no, not really. Yeah, like some of it does, and then some of it doesn't. Yeah, like let's just keep the Latin part of it. Don't don't look it up on uh, Google because then you're gonna be you might be a little disappointed. So just keep it with that, but. You're kind of waiting for these two to have a showdown. Yeah. And like every time I see it, like when Wyatt and him are having a conversation, when he's in the bed at, uh, I can't think of uh, Heston's character off the top of my head, but when they're at uh, Heston's house and uh, Doc mm-hmm. is sick, he can't help him out. And then Wyatt says, like, I can't win, can I? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, fuck the first time I seen it, like fuck, Doc's got to get up and help him out because yeah, he Johnny yeah. Ringo would have killed killed Wilder for sure. Oh yeah. But then, like you know, that scene where Johnny Ringo is just totally surprised. Like he's like, I can't believe you. He goes, Well, you showed up, and then all of a <laughs> sudden, like Val Kilmer just looking like the coolest fucking guy on earth, kind of walks out of the shadows. That cigarette smoke was very heavy. It looked like his coat was on fire. Yeah. A lot of smoke. Oh, yeah. I don't know how like how cigarettes were made in during that time frame, but that was a lot of fucking smoke. But yeah, yeah just that showdown was so, so cool. Yeah. And he just like shoots him in the fucking head. And I don't understand the point of him telling him to come on. Yeah. No. I don't get it, but it's <laughs> still fucking cool. Get- Goading him into death, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was like. That's what I was thinking. It was like, okay, just hurry up and die. Come on. Come yeah. on. You're done. Come on. And then uh, he basically tells him he's too high strung. After he just kind of pats mm-hmm. him on his chest because he, uh, he tells him he's like, they're kind of the same, but he's more high strung. So he wasn't going to yeah. win. So fucking cool. Uh, I've uh, been fooling around with our TikTok. Mm-hmm. A little bit, and I, uh, my son has been helping me edit videos to put on there, and that was the scene, mm-hmm. uh, the clip I used was just the whole. Well, I didn't think you'd show. Then he comes out and says, uh, "I'm your Huckleberry." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, just like, and then it cuts right into that. It's like, just that whole that whole fucking scene is like pretty much what you wait for the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that's my favorite scene as well. Like. You can't beat that one, but I really do like um, uh, him and Ringo uh, meeting, and the you know, the Latin's pretty cool. Um, as long as you don't yeah, try to translate, translate it, right? But I also like the uh, the pistol spinning contest that they have because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's just so funny. Uh, and Mel Kilmer just completely shows him up in that scene, and it's really good. So that's that's my honorable mention, but. Um, the okay corral scene is pretty cool too, but, um, 
yeah, it's, it's got to be one of those two scenes, and it's it's definitely the last scene. Bonus points, just because I always want to do this as a Christmas card. During the end credits, it's basically, for most of it, it's just Virgil, Morgan, Wyatt, and Doc walking to the OK Corral with yeah. the fucking score playing in the background. And I kind of want to do that as a Christmas card at some point. <laughs> if I can get the family on board, I'd want to try it. That would be good. Fake mustaches and all. Yeah. The hats, the guns. All of it. Just have like Merry Christmas. (laughs) Send it to everybody. It'll never happen, so don't get your hopes up. But yeah, I mean, I I think for me, it was just uh, the Johnny Ringo uh, doc showdown. Um, I also really just really enjoyed like the uh the battle at the creek where kurt russell mm-hmm. just says fuck it i'm going out here with people shooting at me yelling no mm-hmm. and that's where him and uh, curly bill have their showdown and he ends up yeah. killing curly bill i do dig that scene too because like he is so hell-bent on revenge against the cowboys he's just like you know what fuck it i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna walk on water i'm gonna kill as many of these fucking people as i can I really like that scene, but it, it kind of takes me out of the movie just a little bit, knowing that all of those uh, like hardened outlaws can't hit the guy and he's out of cover. Uh, it's just it does it's not believable. <laughs> well, it's villain, it's villain, villain uh, shooting school. Like they, yeah, the the worse you are, the more likely you're going to get cast. Like, can you hit that target? Nope. Yeah, you're about ten meters to the left. Hired. Yeah, it's a uh, it's. Uh, Kurt Russell's plot armor. Yep. Got on. Or it's just that slick mustache is just deflecting everything. <laughs> the Andy Dufresne Get Busy Living or Get Busy Dying Award for the best or most quotable line of the movie. I think it's pretty obvious what this should be, but I'm kind of curious to see if there's anything else that you had outside of this. Because this, like I said at the offshoot, this movie has mm-hmm. so many quotable lines, it's not even funny. Yeah. I, uh, and it's all, it's all Val Kilmer, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like, uh, uh, You're a Daisy If You Do because it's actually like something Doc Holliday really said, which is pretty cool. Uh, but we all know that it's going to be, uh, I'm your Puckleberry. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be the line. But, he says so many things like, you know, um, well, why don't we try a spelling contest? Oh, dude, or, so- uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just so, I don't know the good word for it. He's, he's snarky and sarcastic and I love it. Um, and I think it's because like, he knows he's dying. So he, he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a lot of it. Just the fact like, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be me because I don't have much longer to to live. So why yeah. try to be somebody I'm not? Uh, speaking of which, uh, I do like it's it's a very deep line and it's not like one of his funny lines, but it's uh, it's at the end when he's talking to to Wyatt and he's like, "There is no normal life. There's just life. So go and live it." Pretty deep. It's a good line, but it, it's it's not as memorable because it's not funny. But I think it's a good line. Um, and then. Uh, uh, what what is it um 
it's not revenge uh he's after uh it's a reckoning i love that line it's so cool yeah so badass um yeah my choice was amir huckleberry uh i think Mm -hmm. simply because like people have not even seen tombstone know that line it's like a movie Mm -hmm. line um yeah but i know uh, some of his other ones i really enjoyed is uh when it's right before he gets sick it's like right after the creek scene and Mm -hmm. Turkey asks him like, why is he out there? And he says, why it's my friend. And then Mm -hmm. Turkey responds back. He goes, well, hell I've got lots of friends. And then doc just kind of looks to the side. He goes, I don't. Yeah. And I think just that line right there, I, I really think that they try to shoehorn the, the Wyatt Earp Josephine love story into this. And I don't want yeah. this to be taken the wrong way, but I think the real love story of this movie is the relationship between Wyatt and Doc. Yeah. Because I oh, think yeah. like, sure. I, I think that they're more, uh, at least how it's shown in the movie, that they're more like brothers than Virgil and Morgan are to Wyatt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even when they reunite in Tombstone, he goes, how the hell are you? Mm-hmm. And that's a greeting to somebody like you, like, all right, you just made my day because I seen you, you know what I mean? Right. And I think, yeah, just that piece of dialogue right there, like really sums up the relationship between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So I dig that one. I also like when, uh, Thomas Hayden church is basically like telling doc, there's like, you're not going to do anything. You're drunk. And he pulls out his other pistol. He goes, I got two guns, one for each of you. I love that. <laughs> and he just like, he just pulls the gun out so smooth too. He goes, "I got two of them, one for each of you." And I'm just like, yeah. I I forget what the line is, but uh, when he's drunk and they're telling him that he needs to go to bed, and he he says, "I haven't even begun to forget the line." It's so good though. Mm. Yeah, uh, he's got listen, some. The listeners aren't going to believe me that it's a good line because I don't remember it, but it's fine. It, it is a good line. Watch the movie. It's a good just trust line. Us, yeah, just watch it on Paramount Plus and Hulu. You'll know what he's talking about. Um, I know we don't normally use this category often, but uh, I made it a, a comeback in last week's Die Hard 2 episode. Mm-hmm. The Paul Walker, I said, forget about it, cuh, award for the most unintentionally hilarious or bad line of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that these are meant to be as delivered in a comedic way but pretty much the entire Billy Bob Thornton scene is fucking hysterical and it still gets me uh, my personal favorite of his is when he's telling that guy he goes you back that queen up again you son of a bitch I'll blow you right up that wildcat's ass and I screenshotted because I didn't want to write all of them down but I, I took some screenshots of some of his other uh Lines of movie, thanks to our friends at IMDb. Uh, just that whole scene has so many like real funny, quotable lines. Uh, he says, and I quote, Christ Almighty, it's like I'm sitting here playing cards with my brother's kids or something, you nerve wracking sons of bitches. <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, in this scene, he doesn't say it, but uh, Wyatt Earp says it. He goes, Go ahead, skin it, skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. <laughs> I think that 
skin that smoke wagon got a little bit of play amongst my circle of friends for a little bit too, but not for the reasons pulling out a, a literal pistol. If you catch my drift. Um, <laughs> he says, he goes, well, for a man that don't go healed, you sure do run your mouth kind of reckless. And then Wyatt says, uh, no need to go healed to get the bulge on a tub like you. And then, uh, yeah, of course, the one I said, uh, you, the Wildcats ass line. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not meant to be funny. I think it's meant to get a chuckle, but the way Billy Bob delivers it mm-hmm. totally makes it uh, unintentionally hilarious. And plus, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, this is Husky. Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. I, I didn't recognize him until probably... Oh, it might have been 10 years ago watching this. I said, I looked, I was like, is that fucking Billy Bob Thornton? Because I'm usually, I'm, yeah. just, I'm accustomed to seeing him looking like he hasn't eaten in like three weeks and he's just been living off a, a diet of booze. Yeah. He's yeah. always like, usually like real, real, real thin, skinny and kind of gaunt looking. My wife yeah. thinks he's like just the hottest fucking dude walking on the face of the earth. So. Uh- Really? Yeah. Well, uh, she's not doing. Dude. I know. I know a ton of women that find Billy Bob Thornton extremely attractive. I was gonna say, are you talking about hot as in temperature? Because those eyebrows are making him sweat. <laughs> no, it's hot as in like if he were sitting right in front of me, I don't know how I would react. I don't. I don't think so. But all right, I'm. I'm not a. I'm not sexually attracted to men. Uh, and I am not your wife, so I, okay. I cannot speak for her. All yeah. right. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have her come on to a rebuttal at some point when we do another Billy Bob Thornton movie. Okay. Which the list is not super long. It's Bad Santa and Armageddon. That'd be about it. Maybe Sling Blade. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I didn't recognize him with a little bit of uh, the girth yeah. on him. Right. But yeah, every everything he says is just I I get it pops me every time. His whole yeah, fucking scene think, movie. I I really like that scene. It, like even um it's not an unintentionally bad or anything, but I really like uh uh um Kurt Russell's uh you know uh, I I guess um he's just standing there degrading him. He's like are you going to do something or are you just going to stand there and bleed? Like, I love that. I yeah. love that line. I will give an honorable mention to uh, this is, uh, I think, kind of a bad line. I've always f- kind of cringed whenever somebody yells, like, and I think it's just because it's been overused so much when somebody does that. No. Yeah. In Revenge of the Sith, I do it. It's just like, I'm like, oh, that's nails across a chalkboard. But when he's walking in the creek and he's saying it, mm-hmm. no, yeah. he's like blowing people away. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cringy. Yeah. No, see, I also don't like uh, the stereotypical uh, giddy up in um, Chow Boy movies. It seems like to me, every time somebody says giddy up, they always say it in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a, the regular giddy up. It's like, yeah, like that doesn't even sound. It sounds like a noise they're making. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say giddy up a lot too in my normal speech, yeah. but I, I, I've stolen that from uh, Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld. See, 
it's 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 fine in normal speech because you're but like when you're trying to be a gruff cowboy and you're saying it as a noise it just it doesn't it doesn't come off right yeah i've always been more parsed yeah <laughs> yeah all right uh do you have any unintentional unintentionally hilarious lines that uh we haven't spoken on yet uh no not really uh oh just a uh honorable mention of um um, one uh, that always gets me to laugh, though, is uh, when uh, they're standing there talking after they meet up with uh, Doc Holliday, and he's like, "Oh, I forgot you're standing there." Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Can I have that shot? <laughs> oh yeah, like, and he lays it on the ground. Yeah, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, as we said that uh, the uh, best lie of the movie was extremely difficult. This next award, the McLovin for best supporting or scene stealing performance. It was also extremely tough. I uh, can't give it to Val Kilmer. He's in the movie too much. If we could, right. by far the obvious winner, but uh, he's in the movie too much. Um, so I have three contenders. Okay. Um, Billy Bob Thornton is Johnny Tyler, the Pharaoh dealer. Uh, we mm-hmm. already kind of talked about him a little bit, how he basically like kills it in that uh, brief appearance on screen. Geez, I don't know what's up with Raising Cane tonight, but man, it's it's fucking me up a little bit. I apologize for all the hiccups in the episode. Um, I also nominated Michael Bean as Johnny Ringo. Okay. I thought he was an awesome villain, a great antagonist mm-hmm. to uh, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. And then I also have Stephen Lang as Ike Clanton because he plays the slimy piece of shit perfectly in this. Yeah. He talks he tough does. when he's got his cowboys with him, but when it's just him or he's mm-hmm. in a situation where he knows he's not going to win, he becomes a coward. Yeah. And plus, yeah, and he plays apparently really he's well. drunk. <laughs> and if you <laughs> know... Just give it to him because he was able to do it drunk. Yeah, and if you know Stephen Lang from his performances now, he was... I forget the character's name because I haven't seen it in such a long time, but he was basically the best thing about Avatar. Yeah. Uh, he's the yeah. the general or the captain or the sergeant. Mm-hmm. And he was also in a horror movie called Don't Breathe. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, surprisingly, I, I found to be very enjoyable. He plays a blind man and these kids break into his house. And just like any of us, blind or can see 2020, you're not having people in your house uninvited. I'll fuck some people up too. So I don't blame him. But uh, he's... Yeah kind of been typecast recently as like kind of a tough guy. So for him to play kind of a coward is kind of a cool bit of playing against type. But uh, mm-hmm. those are my three contenders. I mean, there's a lot to choose from. Uh, I like the brief uh, bit of time we get with uh, Michael Rooker. who's also mm-hmm. kind of playing against type. Yeah. Because uh, for me, I, I feel like if they were to cast this movie, if you took Michael Rooker from today and Michael Bean from mm-hmm. like 86 through 90, Rooker would play Johnny Ringo and uh, Bean would play McMasters. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Do you have anybody you want to nominate before we get into this? Uh, not really. I, I was like, I was in this last watch through, um, I forgot that uh, Charlton Heston was in it. 
And I was like, oh, maybe he could be a good uh, good candidate for this category, but no, he's really forgetful. <laughs> yeah, the only thing um, I remember him, he with that mustache, he looks like that Muppets character, Sam the Eagle. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? He's <laughs> like when he's showing from the side, he's just kind of like mm-hmm. got a scowl on his face and his mustache is kind of protruding. He looks like Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. I think that's a Muppet character, isn't it? Yeah. The Blue Eagle? Yeah. It's- okay. The Blue Eagle, yeah, he's like super patriotic, and yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm good with giving it to uh, Stephen Lang. Uh, I don't have anybody uh, that you didn't mention. Um, I do think that uh, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's probably just because knowing that he played it drunk is just so impressive to me. <laughs> yeah, and he. I it's really close between him and Michael Bean because they're both kind of playing mm-hmm. against type, especially like like I said, Stephen Lang playing against type later. Yeah. And then at this point, Michael Bean is going into this. He's kind of known as uh, uh, Kyle Reese and Terminator, and he's you know been the yeah. hero in Aliens and all the like the James Cameron stuff. I think he's a probably the perfect antagonist to mm. Doc Holliday. He really. He's like, if you don't know the history of Wyatt Earp, you kind of can feel like maybe, maybe he could kill. He's going to kill Wyatt Earp, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, he might, right. he might be able to take Doc Holiday out. But I, I, I have to give it to Stephen Lang though, just because like every time he's on screen, you just want something, something bad to happen to him, right. Yeah, like I usually with villains, I get wrapped up in the performance. It really takes a special performer for me to like. You're supposed to hate him, and you actually mm-hmm. make me hate you. Like I can't wait to see something bad happen to you. That's a pretty good yeah. talent. So I have to give it to Stephen Lang too. Yeah, I I will contend that uh, Johnny Ringo is in the movie too much, he, and he's too much of a main antagonist. Hey, like he's not the only antagonist, but. That's another another point for uh, Stephen Lang, I think. Um. Well, I guess it really depends on how you view the movie, because I mean, Johnny Ringo is kind of like it feels like he's the the big boss, but mm-hmm. Curly Bill seems to be like the leader of the Cowboys up until he gets killed. Yeah. So right. I've kind of looked and at then, him as then, more yeah. the main. He's the main villain who kind of gets yeah. the wheels in motion and like his leadership is kind of, cause when he kills Fred in the middle of the street, mm-hmm. that kind of sets off this whole chain of events instead of just kind of yeah. like, okay, maybe we shouldn't fuck this town anymore. Instead they do the exact opposite. Like, Oh, you're going to lock me up. I'm going to fucking kill you guys now. And then they, yeah, they do it. So I, I kind of always look to him as like, like, Wyatt and Curly Bill are kind of like the opposite sides of the coin, and then Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday are the same. Holiday, yeah. It's like if if this is WrestleMania season, mm-hmm. you're leading up to a Curly Bill versus Wyatt Earp match, and then a Johnny Ringo versus Doc Holliday match, which you end up getting in the movie, right? So, I don't I think, know. I, I think that that probably solidifies my my stance that he's uh too important then i think well either way we're giving it to Stephen lang so i mean 
Right, right. But I, I, yeah, I don't know why I'm arguing for something that, you know, we're, we're doing anyways, but, you know. Well, hey, you gave us a talking point, so. We did, yeah. Um, welcome to Dumpsville Population U for the Performer You'd Recast. Not really anybody I would, I can think of mm-hmm. on top of my mm-hmm. head to take out of this. I mean, everyone's pretty much really good in the, the limited time that they have. Um, no unsolved mysteries. They kind of wrap it up at the end with Robert Mitchum's heartless narration at the end. Yeah, that's true. Um, and kinda, plus, it's a uh, it, it's based off of a true story too. So yeah, kind of get the gist. Um, and there's also no uh, insert the most was this eight the 1890s yeah the moment of the movie i, I the guess horses. i guess the whole fucking movie <laughs> there's no telephones there's no automobiles they're on horseback the saloons the saloons the, the poker yeah, yeah. well <laughs> poker's not really the main card game seems like it's pharaoh and i don't even know what the hell that yeah. is yeah. i don't ever see yeah. any casinos anymore so if someone can tell me what pharaoh is I'd love to hear about it. Is is it still a card game that's played today? I don't think so because I've I I don't visit casinos often, yeah. but I don't think that there's a faro table. But apparently, it's very lucrative because the Earps were fucking making a killing. Yeah, dealing with faro before you know the unfortunate events of this movie. All right. Our next category is the uh, hot off the skillet takes presented to you by Applebee's. Uh, if you want to eat good in the neighborhood, I highly encourage you to check out Applebee's. They've got tons of different menu items to choose from. You're vegan. You like chicken. They've got the Dollarita specials that you can catch now and again. You want to get drunk on the cheap. They got appetizers half off after 10 p.m. Applebee's is the place to go. And that's also where you're going to find our hottest takes of the movie. Adam, you have a hot take uh, regarding Tombstone? I, uh, You know, it's probably a hot take to somebody, but it's probably not a hot take to either of us. Um, I think that Tombstone is the best, if not one of the best, uh, Western movies of all time. Okay. Um, I don't... I think with uh, our demographic, it's probably not that hot of a take because mm-hmm. Westerns are really not per se a hot movie idea anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think if you were to go older generations, which I don't think we have anybody over the age of 50 that even listens to us with the exception of uh, a couple people that have been on the show from time to time. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that's really a, a hot take just because like anyone born in the like the 80s or 90s, this is probably if they ever watch a western, most likely this is the one they're going to. And I think it has yeah. a lot to do with it being so quotable. Yeah. But uh, you still get the westerns of like uh um of old of uh you know like uh you're going to have some demographics say that if it doesn't have John Wayne in it, it's not one of the best Western movies of all time. You know? Right. Yeah. I just you think know? for like, unless you're a film nerd, you might go mm-hmm. something like the searchers. Like if it were you and I, like, I don't think mm-hmm. tombstone is one of the, I wouldn't put it as the greatest Western of all time. To me, it's probably top five. 
It's in my top five, yeah. I'm sure, but I don't know if I could put it above um, Unforgiven. Mm. Um, I don't think I can put it ahead of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, okay. But I think after those two, for sure has a case. Maybe Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, I'd maybe mm. put ahead of it. But outside of those three, but anyone like in your age or younger, they're I would be shocked if any of them have even seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Which, if you haven't, please go watch that. I have. I know you I've have seen Butch Cassidy, but you're a movie yeah. nerd like I am. <laughs> if you have not seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, please do yourself a favor and go watch it right now. It's a fucking awesome movie. After you listen to this episode and watch Tombstone. And same with the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, it's kind of an iconic Western, but uh, I don't think a lot of like casual movie fans uh, under the age of 40 are really going to remember it or have even heard of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it. Tombstone is like still easily in my top five. I probably maybe, now that I think about it, probably slides into the number four spot. Okay. Um, then outlaw Josie Wales would probably be number five. Um, see, the more you think about it, the more, more, uh, my take is hot, <laughs> but I'm also a movie down. nerd. I am not like in the demographic <laughs> that I'm talking about too. Um, <laughs> my hot take is, uh, as I have said, even in this episode that I, I look at movies or the motion picture industry is like, there's films and there's movies. And uh, mm-hmm. like I said, Unforgiven, it's probably my favorite Western. I think it's the best Western film of all time. It just, it does so many things well. Just, it creates a mood that I have not seen in a Western before. But if I'm flipping through the channels and mm-hmm. if, if HBO has Unforgiven, and stars has tombstone on they're coming on at the same time mm-hmm. and i see that i am 99 percent sure i'm going to turn it to stars to watch tombstone yeah i think tombstone is probably one of the most rewatchable movies of the last 30 years it's, oh, just, sure. it's such a fun movie um and i don't even think that's really a hot take now that i think about it um but yeah, I think if I'm choosing, cause I mean, a lot of people like that are in our, our, in, like our fandom of movies probably consider Unforgiven mm-hmm. to be the greatest Western of all time. If not the greatest, probably top two or three, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I'm choosing between the two, I'm probably 99% of the time going to choose Tombstone mm-hmm. because Unforgiven, you have to be in a mood to watch that just because yeah. it's, it's incredibly dark. Yeah. Whereas Tombstone is like, okay, it's kind of a, a mindless, fun, two-hour action Western. I yeah. don't have to think about it. I can shut my brain off like, okay, I know these are the good guys. The bad guys have done them wrong, and the good guys want revenge. Mm. Boom. All right. And you're off. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a hot take or not. I really can't think of anything because, like, to me, flaws in all this movie is pretty damn awesome. And the more yeah. you watch it, the more you can pick up, like, what they do good and what they do bad. But 
I mean, this is a fucking awesome movie. It is. It sure. is a really great movie. Um, it's it's one of those rare westerns that, uh, you know, cracks my uh, uh, you know, uh, adversity towards westerns. Um, like, I'll I'll watch. Um, like I said, uh, this uh, Unforgiven. Um, I really like Maverick. I don't know why. I just oh, I, Maverick's I like good. I, I enjoy the hell out of Maverick. That's really good. One of the last great Mel Gibson movies, too. Yeah. And uh, uh, like I said, Mass of Sorrow for a, a different kind of Western feel. Um, lo- love that movie. I even like, uh, like TV-wise, I even like The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. So I don't know what my adversity is with Westerns. Just It just does not cross my radar every, every um, time I turn on netflix or whatever and i'm like looking for something to watch i'm not looking for a western it's probably the most divisive mainstream like movie genre in in film is the western i mm-hmm. i don't know anybody that because i mean even like romantic comedies as an example it's not really mm-hmm. my cup of tea but there's ones out there that i can appreciate like i i've always felt sleep sleepless in seattle is a fantastic movie it really is. It's a mm-hmm. really good movie. And there's it other is. ones I can, if I, I catch it on, like, okay, I can watch this. I'll be okay watching this. And, you know, like, some people don't like dramas. Some people, but, you know, they'll find ones they like. Like, for Western, though, it's either I have not met anybody that thinks, like, ah, you know, there's some Westerns that are okay. Western, it's mm-hmm. like either, oh, yeah, I love Westerns, or no, I can't stand them. Too boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some some of them like some of the uh more um divisive genres are are try to hide themselves in the more mainstream ones like you got if if you're talking mainstream you have you have drama and then you have comedy those those are the big mainstream genres which comedy uh has been dying out for a while they like we don't get any low budget movies that are comedy anymore but well they're all going to streamers now right but they hide themselves in those two genres pretty well when somebody's trying to make a movie and, and make it more palatable for people. So I think that, you know, that's probably one of the cases for Tombstone. Um, it's got drama in it, but it's also got elements of action in it. So maybe that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I think uh, for me, if... I, if they send me to like a remote island, they're going to give me a TV and a DVD, Blu-ray player, 4K Blu-ray, whatever. And I'd pick mm-hmm. a movie, my like a movie from each genre of like horror, Western action, whatever. I think I'm probably taking Tombstone as my Western pick. Yeah, because it's like the Western that I can watch over and over and over and over again. I've probably seen this movie 30, 40 times easily just because it, yeah. like I said, it's always been on TV and you always catch like a piece of it here or there or whatever. But yeah, but yeah, those are our hottest takes. Uh, they might be lukewarm today. <clears throat> they might've been sitting on it. Like you might have ordered this from Bob Evans and or Applebee's. But don't expect that quality of service from Applebee's. The minute your order comes off that skillet, it's getting run right to your table. Don't ever expect yep. to get lukewarm food from Applebee's. Our friends, 
eating good in the neighborhood. But get those two for twenty. Yep, the two for twenties, and you know, enjoy a dollarita or two. Um, but yeah, those are our hot takes. Though, so, uh, not really takes. Um, got a few burning questions. I wanted to ask you, run by you. I think we've kind of okay. already established it, but the first one I had was the better Wyatt Earp movie, Tombstone or Wyatt Earp. I think you and I are pretty much in agreement. It's Tombstone by a Country Mile. Yeah. Should Val Kilmer have received an Oscar nomination for his role as Doc Holliday in the Best Supporting Actor category? And before you answer that, I would just like to read to you the nominees in this category in the year 1990. Well, it'd be ninety the ninety four Oscar celebrating the year yeah. of nineteen ninety three in movies, just so we don't get confused. Pete Postlewaite or In the Name of the Father. Mm. Ray Fines and Schindler's List. Leonardo DiCaprio for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. John mm-hmm. Malkovich for In the Line of Fire. And the winner this year was Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive. Would you bump any of those actors off to put Doc or Val Kilmer in there? And yes. I will just say, um, I'll preface this: that's a fucking loaded category. Mm-hmm. All five of those performances are fucking amazing. Um, I would probably with that lineup, I would probably go and and of course we're Tommy Lee Jones won, but um, and I would make him so. the winner. Yeah. I wouldn't make him the winner. He did, he deserved it, but I wouldn't make him the winner, in my opinion. You wouldn't make Tommy uh, Lee Jones the, the winner or Val Kilmer? I would make, uh, I would probably make uh, Ray Fiennes the winner. Oh, that should have been your hottest take of this episode. <laughs> uh, I really like that movie. I'm sorry. I, it's a sad movie and I have to be in a mood to watch it, but it's it's a good film. There we go. Yeah, Schindler's Literally List is a fantastic it. film. However, Tommy um, Lee Jones as Sam Gerard <laughs> fucking rocks it. Best character, best supporting character in a film of the last 30 years. That's my fucking hottest take. Boom. <laughs> uh, he would be my number two in that in that uh, lineup, and then Val Kilmer would be three. Okay, well, who if, would you bump if, then? Uh, maybe John Malkovich. That's kind of who I was thinking too. Um, mm-hmm. Malkovich is great in, in that movie, In the Line of Fire, which we need to do mm-hmm. at some point. But compared to the rest of them, I could say his case isn't quite as strong. I would say he's probably yeah. the longest shot to win out mm-hmm. of the, the five actors. So yeah, he'd probably be the one I would bump. Yeah. But damn, mm-hmm. what movies were movies. <laughs> And I'm not Ray Fines in Schindler's List is fantastic. I don't want anybody to think that I'm shitting on Schindler's List. That is probably one of the most important movies of the last thirty years. That's a fantastic film, but like I've seen it twice. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to really be in a mood to revisit that one. Right. Yeah. It's it made the director depressed. So um is this movie the peak of mustaches in movies. At least in the nineties. Gotta be. Yeah. I was going to say peak for mustaches has to be Burt Reynolds because Burt Reynolds is known 
for the mustache. Yep. 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 But, but for I, the nineties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, is this the best, the best movie? Wait, wait let me rephrase that. Um, is this the best example of a troubled production succeeding? And that means like, you know, ran into a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, maybe had a potential to fail, but ends up coming out fairly successful in the end. I'm going to say no, simply because if you ever read the stuff that went on during the filming of Titanic and Titanic was the biggest movie of all time up until, yeah, it was, was it Avatar? Got dethroned by it? Avatar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got dethroned by Avatar. And it won a shit ton of Oscars. I don't think you can succeed any more than that. But I mean, I would say yeah. this is probably a top five coming out of a troubled production smelling like roses. Can we uh, count fake productions such as it's springtime for Hitler in Germany? <laughs> I don't think that counts, but I like where you're going with that. <laughs> Is this the most quotable movie of the last 30 years? Now, before we uh, answer that one, uh, I know Anchorman. Incredibly quotable movie. We got the big Lebowski. Mm -hmm. Incredibly quotable movie. But, I mean, I would say no, but it's pretty fucking quotable, especially for a Western. We've kind of touched on that already. I I say no. Within... within our our fandom our circle yes but yeah no probably not overall yeah i think i think uh, amongst our circle of friends we need to really bring back some of that tombstone dialogue yeah because i think our go-tos are I'm, normally the big lebowski or anchorman or some of the apatow stuff but yeah i think we need to bring tombstone back into our our circle of friends lexicon yeah i, I i'm uh, probably really bad at, at uh, quoting Jurassic Park all the time, but no, know. no, Jurassic Park has to stay because I that's that's me and you thing. You and I <laughs> do that to each other all the time. Just throw out random Jurassic Park quotes. That's got to stay, but we can just, you know, it's like you're putting together like uh like a wedding menu. You know, you have yeah, you know, you have your on your main on course or. Mm-hmm. main dish and you've got all the little sides yeah. and stuff you know jurassic park yeah. staying on the menu okay yeah we so, gotta we gotta spare no expense on the menu <laughs> like it <laughs> um last question uh i think we've kind of already answered this but uh is this the last uh bit of western media significant in uh, pop culture i would say probably no because we've said that tomb or not tombstone, but Yellowstone's kind of like a modern day Western. But I think up Mm -hmm. until Yellowstone, I would say, yeah, I mean, Deadwood was on HBO and I think Deadwood's Mm. probably one of the best HBO shows of all time. But when you think about great HBO shows, most people are going to gravitate towards the Sopranos or the wire or succession, or, you know, it's going to be a couple of shows before you get to Deadwood. So I would say up until yeah. Yellowstone, yeah. I think that uh, um, probably if we're talking about like classic Western cowboys, good guys, bad guys, probably. But Yellowstone's more of a modern Western. I've, have you seen but Yellowstone? Overall, I've never watched it. 
I've seen bits and pieces, uh, but no, I've I've never like watched a a succession of episodes. I'm surprised I haven't because I'm a huge Kevin Costner fan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I haven't I haven't been able to watch any of it yet either. Yeah, I mean it. It must be a true western because it hasn't really piqued my interest. Yeah. I'm not expecting you to watch it at all. I can rant. I'll marathon that rave about like, okay, whatever. I'll just, I'll just text him back. Like, yeah, I'll check it out sometime with no intention of watching a single episode of it at all. (laughs) I just want him to shut up about it. Okay. I'll check it out. And just like, oh yeah, I'll get around to it sometime. Um, Last category, uh, the hall of fame plaque. If you were inducting these actors into a hall of fame, what movie would you feature on their plaque? I would say Kurt Russell, no. Mm-mm, no, it's not a not an iconic Kurt Russell film. I mean, if you think I mean, if you I think it's not so much it's uh, not an iconic Kurt Russell film, it's just the fact that he's done so much. Yeah. I mean, he he's great in it, don't get me wrong, and he he I, he even directed it, but I don't it, it, when you say Kurt Russell you don't think the tombstone that just it doesn't even cross the radar because it's not the kind of movie you think of when you think of Kurt Russell. Yeah. I mean, when I think of Kurt Russell, it's snake Plissken or McCready, mm-hmm. or Jack Burton or captain Ron. Yeah. And I, that joke totally failed. I was hoping that I'd have got a chuckle out of it. I actually yeah, love no. captain Ron. <laughs> and I might be an episode at like, we're running out of shit to do. Like, you know what, Adam, you can sit this one out. I'm just, let me, let me cook for a little bit. I'm just going to do a captain Ron episode by myself. I was going to let it slide. Cause I didn't know whether or not you're being serious. <laughs> oh dude. I fucking love captain Ron. I fucking love it. And that was a movie that, uh, I think for a good six months, like me and my buddies were calling each other swab. <laughs> Don't know why we were just like, Hey swab, come here. And it just kind of teetered off. No, but I'm, we're inducting Kurt Russell in the Hall of Fame. I think it's probably one of the Carpenter movies he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I would I would give it to Snake Plissken, but uh, Jack Burton or McCready can obviously you give him uh, that as well. Val Kilmer. Yes. I was going to say yeah to this one too. Uh, Never really took off as a leading man. I think if like he was Batman, but I mm-hmm. think Batman Forever kind of stinks. Not a huge it's fan not the of worst it. one. It's not the it, worst. But one. It, yeah, but he's dry. He's the worst thing. Oh, okay. No, Tommy Lee Jones is the worst thing in that movie. Yeah, I was he's say, like Tommy Lee Jones is. And I hate saying <laughs> that because I love Tommy Lee Jones, but yeah, like Tommy Lee Jones is like for some reason, trying to compete with Jim Carrey. And it's like, I don't understand what you're fucking doing. Right. It's like me trying to race Usain Bolt in a fucking, like a 40 yard dash. Like, <laughs> what are you fucking doing? You have no chance at this. What are you doing? You made the race bad just by competing in it. Yeah. Come on, dude. You're not even going to last, you know, 20 <laughs> yards, let alone 40. Um, but yeah, his Batman, uh, I will say if it's not, this it's him as Jim Morrison in the doors. He's really good. In that. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, he looks a lot like Jim Morrison too. And plus he, that movie's too weird for me. Like I just could never really get into it, but 
if mm-hmm. you go into that watching it for anything, Val Kilmer's Jim Morrison is the reason to watch it. Yeah. But I think it has to be this. Uh, yeah. I think just Val Kilmer just doing what Val Kilmer does best. Uh, just being like the guy that isn't the focal point of the movie, but like he's going to come in and steal the attention from the focal point. That's what mm-hmm. he does best. Yeah, I, I think it would be Tombstone if I'm putting Kurt Russell in the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, that's all I got. Unless you want to run down the one debate the merits of Powers Booth. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Which I would say would probably be him as the terrorist in sudden death, mm-hmm. or as the I forget the I haven't seen it in such a long time. But he was really good in Deadwood. He ran a uh, a whorehouse in Deadwood. I would say it'd be one of those two. But yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap up Tombstone. I we went a little longer than normal, but that's okay because this movie's awesome. So uh, after you listen to this episode, go back and revisit Tombstone on Hulu or Paramount Plus. You will not be disappointed, and I guarantee it. You'll be adding it to your rotation of movies. So on that note, thanks for listening today. Uh, be sure to check us out on social media. I dropped the links to uh, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, X, Twix, whatever we're calling it, Instagram, threads. All that stuff is in the show description. If you dig what you heard here today or any of our 140-plus episodes, be sure to drop us a five-star review on Apple. We would really appreciate it, and it would also help uh, the show when people decide to search for things such as Best Mustaches in Movies or Wildcat's Ass. So, yeah, uh, just be sure to help us out here. Leave us a five-star review. Write a quick little sentence or two. It only takes a minute. We greatly appreciate it. So, until next week, we will talk at you later, friends. Well, bye.